today? God, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you that as we come into your house, we can get into your word and it can bring direction for our lives. We ask for that today. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would be here. You would be active. You would be alive. You would be moving in our service and in each one of our individual lives. We need you today. We want everything that you have for us. So we invite you to be near. We want to hear from you today. Lead us and guide us by your spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One of the things that I really love about our church, and I'm just going to brag on our church for a moment. It's not to say that our church is the only church that's like this. But one of the things I think is very healthy about our church is that we have a lot of people who are in different stages of their walk with God here in this church. There's a lot of people in this church that have just recently started their walk with God. And because of that, they're growing and they're learning what it means to stand on their own two feet. To feed themselves in God's word. To listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit that will lead them and guide them. I think a healthy sign in just about any church is when there are new believers, there are new people coming into relationship with God in that church. I think that's a healthy thing. But in order for those people to grow in their faith, what else do you need? You need people who are already mature in their faith to be there helping those people to start that walk, helping them to grow in that relationship with God, helping them to stand on their own two feet when it comes to that relationship. Not just being fed on Sundays, but learning to feed themselves on God's word throughout the week, and then learning to recognize and follow the voice of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of them. I think that those things are signs of a healthy church. And then, of course, in our church, we have lots of people that are somewhere in the middle. Maybe you started your walk a few years ago or a few months ago, and you started to stand on your own two feet. You've started to understand and get a grasp of God's word. You're learning to hear the voice and respond and obey the voice of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you. I think a healthy church should have people that are at all different stages of their walk with God coming together. And the reason I tell you that this morning is because oftentimes what you get is you get the two extremes. A lot of times we have churches that are made up specifically of new believers. And there's a lot of churches that are driven to really make new converts and new believers. They want to go out and they want to reach the people that don't know Jesus, that aren't in relationship with Jesus. And so therefore they're really good at that. And what they tend to draw is a lot of people who want that. They tend to draw a lot of new believers. But for the people who are very mature in their faith, a lot of times they go to churches where you get into the deeper things of God's word only, and maybe there's not a lot of new converts in those churches. Sometimes we call those believers' churches. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. As long as people who are new in the faith are growing, then that's good. They need mature people to come alongside them. But the mature people also need to understand that one of the most mature things we can do as Christians is not just gather among other mature believers, but continually be raising up people to walk in a greater maturity in their faith. Does that make sense to everybody? And so the church has to have people who at all different stages in their walk coming together. That's what a healthy church should look like. Now listen, we're not the perfect church. There's a lot of things that we want to continue to do that we can't yet do or that maybe we're not yet doing. But we want to grow in those things. And we want to see people that are at all different stages come together. Now, with all of that said, one of the things that I've found over the last few years that's been really, really interesting to me is that when you are a new believer, you have to learn the battle of the flesh and the spirit. You learn what it means to walk in the spirit so that you can overcome the works of the flesh. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. But I'm surprised as years go on how many people I encounter, not just new Christians, but people who have been walking with God for a long time, who are continually struggling in this fight to overcome the flesh and learn how to walk in the spirit. The Bible says that we can walk in the spirit and overcome the flesh. And a lot of times we'll get years down the road and nobody taught us what it meant to walk in the Spirit of God. I have this deep conviction. I was listening to Pastor Gary speak just a couple of months ago when he was teaching from our Something New series. 
And he was talking about what it means to walk in the Spirit so that we can overcome the flesh. And I had this really deep conviction in my heart. I felt like God was just showing me this. God was saying, people need to be better educated about what it means to walk in the Spirit. As Christians, we need to do a better job of teaching believers what it means to walk in the Spirit of God so that we're not continually losing the battle of the flesh. That's what I want to talk about today. And let me just say, I'm not the best at this, but I just really feel like God has grabbed my heart on this because I want to show you a couple things from Scripture that have just absolutely jumped out at me, okay? So you're in Galatians chapter 5 this morning. I want to read to you the writings of the Apostle Paul very quickly. We're going to go to a few different passages today. But this is what the Apostle Paul said. And by the way, you'll notice there's a whiteboard behind me. For those of you who hated school, don't worry. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time at the whiteboard today. I just want to show you a couple things here in just a little bit, so hang tight with me. I promise not to make you bored with the whiteboard, all right? But this is what Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul was writing to the Galatians church in the first century. He says this in verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now... I want to just say this to you very quickly because I think most of us who have been walking with God for a long time, we've understood this, but a lot of us who have been walking with God, even those of us who have been walking with God for a long time, never had anybody to explain it to us this way. Even when we become Christians, we will continually fight a fight where we are having to choose to listen to one voice or another voice. There will be the voice of the flesh that will tell us to do the things that gratify the flesh, or there's the voice of the spirit that says, I've got a better way for you to live. And as Christians, we have to choose which voice we will listen to. Throughout the rest of our lives, we will have to engage this relationship with the Holy Spirit so that we can make a decision who we will listen to, the voice of the flesh and the voice of the enemy that calls us to act out in a self-gratifying way or to listen to the voice of the Spirit that wants to lead us into bigger and greater things that God has for our lives. For every single one of us here today that have walked into a relationship with God, one of the things that we have to understand is that the Holy Spirit, listen, many of you will know this, but I want you to catch this and grab hold of this for today. If you have made a decision that you are in relationship with Jesus and you want to follow him, the Holy Spirit of God, God himself, lives on the inside of you. And what that means is that there is no temptation, there is no circumstance, there is no challenge, there is no difficult situation that you could ever find yourself in where you do not have access to the voice of the Holy Spirit to help you through it. Now that's good news today, but the reason why I want to say this, and so many of you I know are saying, well, I kind of already know that, then why is it that so many of us struggle with the battle against the flesh? Even in our walk with God, we struggle with it. And I think the reason why is because so many of us, when we start our walk with God, excuse me for a minute here, when we start our walk with God at the point of salvation, what happens is, is we hear about the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We find out that there's forgiveness for our sins. And when we find out that there is forgiveness for our sins, there's this one shining moment where we stand in the presence of God and suddenly we feel no guilt, we feel no shame, and we feel no condemnation because everything that's happened in the past has suddenly been washed away and there's this sense of, it's all gone. I can start afresh. I can start anew. Wow. And so we accept that sacrifice that Jesus made and we want that salvation. We accept that salvation. But one of the things that's really tough is that a lot of Christians forget at the end of that moment that tomorrow you're going to go back to facing the same battles you were fighting before. 
And what we have to know as Christians is that at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit now lives on the inside of us. And we have to learn how to engage a relationship with the Holy Spirit so that we can win the battle against the flesh. Is everybody with me so far? Now, I want to go a little bit further and talk a little bit more from Galatians and see what Paul's talking about here. He says, moreover, or excuse me, verse 16, he says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish, or you do not give in to the desires of the flesh. Now look at verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now here's what I want to show you this morning before we move on to a couple other passages of Scripture. When you see that word law, for those of you who know your Bible pretty well, don't think about the Old Testament law for a second. I want to refer to that, but we don't have time to get into that today. There's a lot of us that when it comes to our right standing with God and being in good relationship and good standing with God, what we do is we put ourselves under the law. We wrap our lives inside of rules and regulations. And what we do is we create this long list of thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And if we can keep all of the thou shalt nots, then we feel as though we're good with God. Does that make sense to everybody? Because when we find ourselves walking into sin, we have this guilt, this shame, this condemnation that goes over our life. So we think in our natural minds and our natural thinking that the way to overcome that is to give ourselves more rules. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. A lot of you know about the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, but what you might not know is that by the time the Old Testament is over, there are 613 commands and laws given in Scripture. And by the time we make our way all the way to Jesus, one of the things that had taken over was this sense of religion because there was a lot of laws that were being taught that weren't given by God. They were given by man because man felt like the only way that they could be in right standing with God was to continually give ourselves more. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And what we understand by the time Jesus comes along is that it was a losing battle. But what the Apostle Paul wants to show us in Galatians 5 is that if we can walk in the Spirit, we will not be under the Law. So here's what we have to decide. We either walk in the spirit where we have freedom or we walk in the flesh and continually try to overcome the battle with the flesh in the flesh and be in legalism or be in religion or be in ritual. I want to tell you today that God does not want you to live in religion. God does not want you to live in legalism. God does not want you to live in ritual. God wants you to walk in a relationship with the Holy Spirit that is encouraging you to do everything that God has for you, not telling you all the things that you cannot do. Come on, that's good news this morning. I'm really excited right now. But listen, that is good news today. We have to understand this because if we can grab hold of this, it is going to set us free. And I feel like God wants to do that in some people's lives today. There's some people here today, you've been walking with God for a long time, but yet you haven't got past this battle with the flesh. And the reason why many of us do not get past that battle is because we have not learned how to engage the Spirit of God in our lives. Now, let's go a step further. And this is why I have the whiteboard out today, because I want to show you a couple other things in Scripture. Now, this is a first for me, so give me some grace with the whiteboard here. Um, the camera's probably going to zoom in here, but I just want to tell you up front that this is the lovely handwriting of Kezia Kunalada, because God knows I don't write that nice, okay? Now, I had to have her do that, because otherwise there's no way you'd be able to read it. So thank you, Kezia. You're the best. I appreciate you. Now let's go a little bit further, and I want to show you this. The last thing we saw in Galatians 5, in verse 18, it says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You are not under religion. You are not under legalism. You are not under ritual. You are no longer slaves to the law, but you can live free in the power 
of the Holy Spirit. Now, look at Romans chapter 5. Maybe you don't have your Bible this morning, that's all right. We'll put these scriptures up for you. Romans chapter 5, a lot of you will know this passage. And this is where that word abound comes in that I want to talk to you about today. Verse 20 of Romans 5 simply says this. It says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We see this word abound pop up three times in that first verse. Abound is not a word that we use very often in our modern vernacular, but it pops up a lot in Scripture. And you have to understand what that word means in order to best understand this passage. The word abound here, this is literally what the definition of the word abound is. It means growing, increasing, multiplying, abundant, or plentiful. Let me say that again. The word abound or abounding means growing, increasing, multiplying, abundant, and plentiful. Now, what this is literally showing us is that God gave us the law. Now, he's talking, Paul's talking here to New Testament Christians who have chosen to live under this legalistic way of thinking and go back to the old way in the Old Testament of living under the law. Now, if that was the thing that was going to save us, then we would have never needed Jesus in the first place. But what the law did was the law pointed out our need for a Savior. Why? Because we couldn't keep it. Now, let me just say this very, very quickly. You can take this and file it away for later. If you know your Bible very well, but you've been struggling with this, everybody needs to understand that when you read the Old Testament law, it was never intended for you and I to live under. It was not given to you and it was not given to me. It was given to the Old Testament Jews, God's chosen people. God said, you're my chosen people, you're set apart, and I want you to live a different way. So in order to find favor with God, God gave those people the law. Now, let me show you what I mean by this. Here we go. Let's see if this works, all right? I've never done this before, so you guys are like my test case here. Let's see if I'm very good at this. God said, if you want to walk in relationship with me, I'm going to give you the law. It's like God did this. God drew a big circle, and God said, here are the parameters. This thing is what, it, what you need to stay within if you want to be in right standing and in right relationship with me. To the Old Testament Jews, he called this the law. So if you wanted to be in right standing with God, what you had to do was you had to be inside of that law. You couldn't get outside of it. These are the commands. These are the thou shalt nots, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And if you can keep these things, you'll stay in right relationship with God. Now, what does he say? He says, moreover, the law entered that offense might abound. What's offense? It's sin. So the law was given so that we could recognize our sin. When God gave the Old Testament Jews the law, what was he showing them? Their need for a savior because offense or sin abounded. He said, stay within these parameters and you will be in right standing with me. But pretty soon what started to happen was all the things that were happening here, they were good. They were fair game. God said, this is okay. You can do all this stuff. Why? Because you're staying within inside my parameters. But as soon as the Jews started to get outside of these parameters, that's when we entered in this thing called sin. And everything that was outside of that was something that moved people outside of the favor of God, out of the goodness of God, out of the grace of God. If you wanted to be in right standing with God, you couldn't get out here. You had to stay in here. Now, let me just take a moment and explain something to you because I think this is going to really help. How many people have a fence around your backyard? Now, this is with me and my, me personally. When we open the back door and let my daughter go into the backyard, 
I don't have to tell her yet to, that she can't go outside of the fence because she can't get over the fence. She can't open it just yet. But the day is going to come where she's either going to be able to climb over the fence or open the side gate to get out. But right now what I do is I let her go in the backyard and play because the thing is I have control of what happens in the backyard. But if she were to remove herself and get outside of the parameters that I've set for her, that's when she gets out from, out from under my protection. And no longer am I there to protect her. No longer am I there to look out for. No longer am I there to provide for. Instead, I have to go and see to it that she gets back inside of this. Now, in the Old Testament, that was what the law did. God gave the Old Testament Israelites the law, and he said, if you can do these things, you'll stay inside of here. But pretty soon, the Bible says that offense or sin abounded. It increased. It multiplied. It, continually, it continued to grow, and they began to get outside of the law. And in order for them to go from here and being sinful and get back inside of God's good graces, what did they have to do? They had to offer sacrifices. They had to go and repent. And it was this long requirement of laws. It was works that you had to do to get back into God's good graces. Well, guess what? There is no works that you and I can ever do that will get us into God's good graces. So what did that show us? It showed us our need for a Savior. Now, having said all that, this is so important. I hope that you catch this today. It says that the, or the law was given so that offense or sin might abound, that sin would increase. God literally gave that law so that sin would increase and we could see our need for a Savior. We could understand what was wrong outside of the law. Now, look at the second part of this. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So when we found ourselves outside of this law and we realized that we had to do all of these works, all of these things to try to get back in God's good graces, God realized these people are going in circles. They can't win the battle with the flesh. So I need to do something that's going to fix the whole situation. And I want to tell some people this morning that this is how much God loves you, that this is what God did. God didn't give more rules. He didn't give more regulations. He didn't give more thou shalt nots in order for you to get back into his good graces. What God did was God gave us this thing called grace. And God said, where well, I know that you can't save yourself, I'm not going to give you more rules and more regulations. I'm going to play the ultimate trump card that is so going to mess with your minds right now. I got something that's even greater than your sin. It's called grace. Because God gave us the law to show us what was right from what was wrong. And when we couldn't keep the law, he realized that we needed a savior. So he sent Jesus and said, I got something so much better because you can't save yourselves. I got grace. And when you thought that the circle was too small for you to get back into, guess what? I'm coming and I'm drawing a bigger circle. I love you that much that my grace says you are accepted. When you step into salvation with Jesus, you are accepted. The thing that we have to understand is that most of us as Christians go through all these years and all these battles where we are continually going back to the thou shalt nots to try to get back in here with God when God has already drawn a bigger circle and said, listen, there's grace and you can't earn your salvation, but I gave Jesus because I love you that much. Is this hitting home with anybody this morning? We as Christians need to learn what it means to win this battle. And the only way we can do it is by walking in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. There are far too many of us Christians walking on planet earth that are trying to make our relationship with God fit between our ears. And God says, if you want your relationship with me to fit between your ears, you're going to continually battle the struggle against the flesh and you're going to continually lose. But if you can accept the idea that the Holy Spirit now lives on the inside of you, you can be empowered to walk in that grace. 
I hope this sets some people free today because I'm, I'm fiery about this and I know that that might be kind of funny to some of you. But listen, I believe that God wants to wipe away some guilt and shame from people's lives and he wants to set you free when you walk out of these doors today. Now, let's go a little bit further. Let's go a little bit further because I don't want to get stuck here too long, but it's so important that we understand this. Verse 21 says, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness. Grace might reign through righteousness. In other words, because of the grace that God has extended to you and I, we don't have to walk in, the, we don't have to walk in that continual circle of death and sin. We can walk in righteousness. How? Because of that grace. This is such good news for us today. Now, let's move on to the next passage of Scripture because I want to show you something else. Look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I'm moving around a lot today. I hope you can stay with me here. But John chapter 15, I want to show you a really, really interesting passage of Scripture where Jesus begins to talk to the disciples about what life is going to be like when he is no longer with them. Jesus knows that crucifixion is coming soon, his death is coming soon, and that the disciples are going to be walking the earth without him. But he's got a plan for us. And this is where you and I come in. Now watch this. This is what it says in John 15. John 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples. Verse 19, he says, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now, he's not saying that the world hates you and I just because we're Christians. What he's saying is that the disciples were being prepared to walk into their destiny and their calling. And because they were choosing to serve God, it was going to be at odds with the ways of this world. So he was saying, look, you guys are going to have some battles in front of you. You're going to have some tests in front of you. And this might very well apply to many of our lives. When we choose to walk with God, one of the things that we find is the choice that we make to walk with God is going to come face-to-face and butt heads with the ways of this world. Has anybody discovered this yet? That's just the way that it is. Now, what we need to see here is that God is showing the disciples that you are going to go into the world, but I have called you out of the world. In other words, Jesus is trying to equip his disciples in what it means to walk in grace in the thing that he has called them to. Now, let's look at another passage of Scripture really quick. Look at John chapter 17. Flip over a couple of passages. John 17, starting at verse 14. This is Jesus praying to God right before he goes to the cross. Jesus says these words. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. He's talking about his disciples. He's praying for his disciples to the Father. And what he's praying for is that they would be strengthened so that when Jesus goes away, that they can walk in God's calling for their life. Now, look at verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Now, understand something. How many, how many people here today have ever been to a place in your walk with God where you have battled against the flesh so much and you've had so much challenge or so, many, so much trouble getting over that battle and you feel like you're continually losing it and you're like, God, why in the world did you put me in this sinful world if you think that I'm going to win this battle? And sometimes we can find ourselves saying, God, don't lead me into to these bad situations where I encounter all these people. But we live in the world, so therefore we're going to encounter challenges. Now, Jesus also taught the disciples, pray, God, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. So we have to understand that while our desire might be sometimes to take ourselves out of the world, Jesus said, God, I don't want you to remove the disciples from the world. I want you to protect them from the evil one. Why? So they can walk in that grace that Jesus was about to pour out into their lives. Now, let's read on. Look at what it says in verse 16. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So sanctify them 
by your truth, for your word is truth. Sanctify them. What does the word sanctify mean? It means to be set apart. It means that when we encounter the truth of God's word, it's supposed to set us apart from the rest of the world. Now, verse 18, as you sent me, Jesus saying, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Jesus is talking about his disciples here, but you know who else he's talking about? He's talking about us. Because Jesus has called us to go into the world, not just sit in our comfortable, happy place where we think about God and we know about God and we don't tell anybody about it. Jesus is calling us to go into the world the same way that he sent the disciples into the world. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. In verse 19, and for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also may be also may be sanctified by truth. I show you these two passages of scripture because I want you to understand this this saying and this phrase that we use all the time in the church. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. How many people know that one? I want to say it again. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. So here's the question. If you and I are in this world, how do we stay in this world without becoming of this world? I want to tell you, it's what we said in the beginning. It's the simple choice of what voice are we going to listen to? Are we going to listen to the spirit of God that lives on the inside of us? Or are we going to continually fight the fight by listening to the voice of the flesh that wants self-gratification? If we are in the world and we don't want to become of the world, then we have to engage this relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what I want to get to that I'm really, really excited to show you this morning. I'm going to go back to my trusty whiteboard over here. This is what John chapter 16 says. If you want to turn there very quickly, again, if you don't have your Bible, we'll have this on the screen. John chapter 16, starting at verse 7. It said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Again, Jesus talking. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. He's telling the disciples that pretty soon he's going to go. It is to their advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So Jesus says, look, in the flesh, I'm going to be going away. But guess what? Don't be sad. Don't you know the disciples were like, wait, Jesus, you're going to leave? You're going to go? We don't get to walk with you anymore. Imagine how bold the disciples were when they were always in Jesus' presence. But then the thought of the idea that Jesus is going to go away, wow, I'm not so sure that I can stand in that same boldness. I'm not so sure that I can walk in the same power. I'm not so sure that I'm going to be courageous enough to step out into things that you're calling me to. God, what, what am I going to do if Jesus goes away, but Jesus says, listen, it's to your advantage that I go so that the helper can come. Now, verse 8, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is Judge. Now, one thing I want to show you really, really quickly that everybody needs to understand about the Holy Spirit. When we talk about engaging this relationship with the Holy Spirit, everybody needs to grab hold of this. The Holy Spirit, one of his primary jobs is to bring conviction into the lives of people. Now, I have made the mistake over the years of thinking in a wrong way that does not line up with Scripture. And I want to just be honest with you because I think some of you might think the same way. I've heard many times over and over that the Holy Spirit wants to bring conviction of sin into my life. That is true when I'm an unbeliever. But when I walk into a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit is no longer there to convict me of sin. He is here to convict me of righteousness. 
you got to get a hold of this this morning. When you first have an encounter with God, what we understand is that the Holy Spirit is there. When you, at the time of salvation, when you come into that relationship, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit brings about a conviction of sin. So at that moment, we recognize I have a need for a Savior. But it's at that moment that the Holy Spirit also enters into us. And as we walk out into a relationship with God, He no longer wants to bring about conviction of sin in our life. He now wants to bring about a conviction of righteousness into our life. This is some seriously good news today. Now listen, I want to explain this to you real quick. And if you might not understand that, I've even said this before, that as a Christian, I think I've taught this before. As a Christian, the Holy Spirit wants to convict me of sin. When I'm a Christian, he no longer wants to do that. He wants to convict me or convince me of righteousness. Now, let me show you what I mean by this. Look at what verse 8 says. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. So he's going to do three kinds of convicting, of sin of righteousness, and of judgment. And let me show you the three ways. The first way that the Holy Spirit is going to convict us of sin, of sin is for the unbelievers. Look at what it says in verse 9. Of sin because they do not believe. So here we see this word right here in verse 9. I want that to stand out. If you have your Bible, circle that word. He wants to convict they. Who are they? Those who do not believe. Of what? Of sin. Now, if you're here today, that's not condemnation. That is your opportunity to walk into relationship with God. For all of us who have opened our hearts to God and said, I want to follow you, the day came where the Holy Spirit came upon us, convicted us of our sin, and because we were separated from God, we had a need for a Savior, so we said yes to Jesus. We call that salvation. That's when we get saved. That's when we walk into a relationship with God. But if you're a believer here today, the second thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to convict the believer of righteousness. Look at verse 10. And of righteousness because I go to my Father and... You, remember he's talking to the disciples, I want to convict you of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. So while Jesus is not here any longer, we can walk around as the disciples of Jesus with the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, no longer being convicted of our sins, but now being convicted of righteousness. In other words, we're going to know deep inside here that we are in good standing with God and we're no longer trying to win this battle of the flesh by trying to earn our way out of sin. There's nothing you can do to earn your way out of it, but God loved you so much that he sent Jesus. And when you accepted him, now that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, we can walk with righteousness on the inside rather than condemnation. I so hope this is hitting home for some people today because this has just so come alive to me. And the third one is simply this. The third thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do, the kind of conviction, the Holy Spirit wants to convict the world of judgment. Look at what it says finally. It says, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, judgment is foreshadowing the judgment at the end of the last days. But when we choose to walk in the spirit and be aligned with Christ, we are not subject to the judgment of the enemy. That's why we don't have to walk around with condemnation and guilt hanging over our necks. That is also why the Apostle Paul wrote later on in Romans 8 and verse 1, he said this, he said, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the what? Spirit. If we can learn to walk in the Spirit, we defeat the flesh, and we don't live our lives with condemnation anymore. If you're here today and you're a Christian, you've been walking with God for a while, I want to tell you that you should not be walking around with guilt and condemnation hanging around you. You should know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he sees you the way that he sees Jesus. And we need to overcome this battle with the flesh by engaging this relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
Because for so long, so many of us give ourselves these rules and regulations and we think that the way that we earn our salvation is by the thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. If I can keep all of those commandments, then I'm in right standing with God and I'll feel good about myself. But what the Apostle Paul is saying is that you can't do anything to earn your salvation. It's the free gift of God through Jesus Christ. And if we can engage the relationship with the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us at salvation, we don't have to walk around in guilt. We don't have to walk around in guilt. Now, at the end of this message, I'm almost finished. This might be a little bit shorter today, but I'm really, really hoping that this sets some people free today. Because I don't think there's anything worse than saying I'm a follower of Christ and living for Jesus for years and years and years, but still losing the battle to the flesh. And again, I'll say this one more time because I believe this with my whole heart. I believe one of the biggest reasons why so many of us lose that battle for so many years in our walk with God is because we haven't been properly taught what it means to engage that relationship. We try to fit our relationship with God right here. And if our relationship with God is trapped between our ears and things that we can try to figure out with our mind and, and works and actions that we think we have to do to be in right standing with God, we will continually chase our tails by losing the battle of the flesh when all along God simply wants us to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit that he allows to live on the inside of us. Now, you might be wondering this morning, how is it that I live a life in the Spirit? Obviously that's a big topic. We'd have to go another sermon's length to get into all that. But if you're taking notes this morning, very quickly, I want to give you three words, okay? I want to ask you to write these down if you're taking notes. Grab your phone, grab a pen, whatever. <laughs> three words. Engage, embrace, embark. Engage, embrace, and embark. I want to show you these three words very quickly. These are words that I came up with, but they will really help us to show what it means to choose to engage a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Number one, we engage that relationship with the Holy Spirit. Listen, if you're a regular here at the bridge and you've heard me preach very often, I find myself all the time going back to a few very simple principles that have helped me in my walk with God. You know, sometimes for those of us who have been in church for a long time, we can look at it as religion and we can look at it as legalism when people say to us, well, you need to be reading your Bible regularly and you need to be praying regularly and you need to be engaging a relationship with the Holy Spirit regularly. We can look at that as religion. We can look at it as regulation and ritual. But in reality, if we're not living under legalism, if we're not living under religion, what we have to understand is that God has given us his word so that it can bring about truth in our lives. And every single day of our life, we have the opportunity to engage in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And when I say that word engage, I'm not saying read your Bible and pray just so that you can fulfill the laws of God. I'm saying it because every single day of our lives, we have the opportunity to open up this relationship and say, God, I want to talk to you. Will you please talk to me? Every single day. And when God has given us his word, one of the things that we miss when we don't open it and get into it is that God wants to show us what it means to overcome the works of the flesh by being led by the Holy Spirit. It's not legalism, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Listen, the creator of the universe that created billions and billions of people in an earth so vast that you and I can't comprehend it, let alone the galaxies outside of it, is intimately caring and concerned about your little life. It means a whole lot to him. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows the situations of your life. He knows every little thing that you're going through. And every single day is an opportunity to engage a relationship with him so that we don't keep chasing our tails and losing the battle of the flesh, but instead we are led by the spirit that lives on the inside of us. 
We struggle so hard trying to do it by works, and we often forget that who we need to listen to already lives right here. Are you with me? Everybody with me on this? Now let me just show you this very quickly. If we were to go back and read John 17 again, John 17, 17, what did Jesus say? He was praying, he said, sanctify them by your truth, for your word is truth. You want to know the truth about your life? You want to know the truth about your situation? You want to know the truth that you're supposed to walk into? Then open up the word and find out about it. Because every day is an opportunity to find out about the truth that God has for our life. It's not about religion. It's not about legalism. And it's not about ritual. It's about an opportunity to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. And if we listen to what his word says, we will see the Holy Spirit jump out, grab a heart and say, do this. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't want to give us a long list of things that we're not supposed to do. He wants to show us all the things that we are supposed to do. And we walk into those things and we find freedom. Now... The second word I gave you was embrace. First, we engage this relationship with the Holy Spirit. Second thing we do is we embrace what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. See, here's the thing. If I can engage a relationship with the Holy Spirit, this is what it's like. It's like having the Holy Spirit being the doorkeeper of my life. And any time that the flesh comes knocking at the door, the Holy Spirit answers and says, what do you want? And one of the reasons why so many of us lose that battle is because we have never learned how to engage the relationship with the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that you will find when you begin to engage this relationship is that the Holy Spirit becomes your doorkeeper. And when the flesh comes knocking, he opens up and says, no thanks, keep on walking. And we won't be losing that battle anymore. And instead, we'll hear the voice of God. We'll know the truth of his word. And the Holy Spirit will call, call what's fair and what's foul in our heart. And he'll say, look, I got a better way for you. You don't want to go down this road. I got something better for you. Now, the third word I had for you. Actually, let me show you one more thing. This is what Psalm 86, verse 11 says. It says, teach me your way, O Lord. Why? That I may walk in your truth. See, we engage that relationship with the Holy Spirit and then we embrace what he has to say to us so that we can walk in his truth. If we don't engage that relationship and embrace what the Holy Spirit has to say, we'll never fully know what it means to walk in this grace that God has given us. Because God has graced us so that we can walk in righteousness. Now, the third word I want to show you is the word embark. Engage, embrace, embark. Embark is this word that we use a lot when we talk about embarking on a new journey. Setting out on a new course. If we can engage a relationship with the Holy Spirit, if we can embrace what he has to say to us, then we can step out into the journey of life. We can embark onto this journey in life, and we won't be fearful about what's going to happen. We'll be bold. We'll be confident. We'll be brave, and we'll be courageous because we know that the Holy Spirit is walking with us come thick or thin no matter what we might face. Listen, you might be embarking on a journey and you feel like you're walking in a circle of defeat. The Holy Spirit wants to set you free because he wants to walk out on that journey with you and walk you into everything that God has for your life. And you don't have to live in failure. You don't have to live in sin. You don't have to live in condemnation. And you don't have to live in defeat anymore. He wants you to embark on that journey and go confidently knowing that he is with you. You know, it's interesting this is the last thing I want to say in closing. Man, I'm really fired up this morning. And <laughs> man, I've just felt so strongly the last few days like God wanted to use this to really get some people's attention. Maybe this is a revelation for you in the beginning of your walk with God or years down the road and you're like, I'm tired of fighting that fight and I want to live in a victory. Maybe that's how you feel today. I just want to tell you that I believe God wants to set some people free. 
it's interesting, when Jesus, if you go back to John, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, he says, look, it's good that I go so that the helper will come. Have you ever been around somebody that is continually pointing out your faults? Have you ever been around somebody that is continually pointing out everything that you do wrong? Have you ever been around somebody that is always telling you how bad you are at things? If there's one word that I would not use to describe those kinds of people, it would be the word helper. That's of no help to me to tell me what I'm always doing wrong. It's of no help to me to tell me what it is that I'm always failing at, to tell me all the things that I'm not good at, to tell me that I'm defeated, that I'm living in condemnation, I'm living with guilt. But when Jesus said that he was gonna, or that God was going to send the helper, he was saying that he's not gonna come and tell you everything that's wrong with you. He's gonna come and tell you everything that's right about you because of what Jesus did at the cross. And let me tell you something, ain't no help when you're told all the time that you're a failure. It ain't no help when you're told all the time that you're defeated. It's no help when you're told all the time that you're constantly gonna fight this battle and you're always gonna lose. That's why when God sent the Holy Spirit, the helper, he didn't come to do that. He came to told you that you've already won and you can walk in victory. But the only way we ever find out what that's all about is when we engage, when we embrace, and when we embark. I hardly ever preach two Sundays in a row in our church and with pastor being in India, you know, I've had last Sunday and today and I gotta tell you two weeks ago, I was so overwhelmed because my wife was coincidentally out of town the two weekends that I was gonna be preaching. So I'm trying to come up with a message and watch a two and a half year old run around the house and drag me into the kitchen every five minutes for another snack. Let alone those responsibilities that all of us deal with in life. I remember sitting in my office about 10 days ago and I knew everything was gonna be all right, but I was so overwhelmed. And I sat there and I thought, God, you're gonna have to help me. Like, am I supposed to fast a couple of meals? Am I supposed to set apart more time? Am I supposed to stay late in the office? Am I supposed to do all these things in order to make all this stuff work out? And just as God had dropped this thing in my heart, I sat there looking at how I'm trying to work out how this is all gonna come together by doing it in the flesh. And I told God, I'm like, God, I, I, I gotta have your help here. This is your word, it's not my word. This is what your word says. I didn't write this book. This is your truth. I'm not making it up. And as I sat there and thought about it, I'm, I'm telling you just as real as I'm sitting here with you. I sat in my office and man, I felt the warmth of the embrace of the Holy Spirit just come and sit down and say, it's okay, I got you, it's okay. But a lot of us don't know what that's like because we don't engage that about or that conversation, that relationship with the Holy Spirit. I wanna tell you, if you're chasing your tail and you feel like you keep losing this battle to the flesh, God's got a better way. And if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old things have passed. And guess what? The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And the one voice that you need to hear from is already right here. Stop listening to the voice of the flesh. Stop listening to the voice of the people around you. Stop listening to what's going on on the news. You're a more than conqueror through Christ Jesus. You might have lived in a world of defeat before, but you don't have to live in it any longer because Jesus has come to set us free, not once, but forever, forever. So let's walk in it, amen? Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you that this is your house. God, your presence is so welcome here. Holy Spirit, we need you to be at work in our lives. We engage this relationship with you. And if there's things you wanna to speak to us, God, we choose to embrace those things. We wanna learn your ways, we wanna know your word. We wanna embark upon that journey. Father, your word declares in Psalm 119 that your word's a lamp to our feet. It shows us where we stand. 
It's a light to our path. It shows us where we're going. And when we feel like maybe we can't do it on our own when we embark on that journey, we know that you're going to be there with us, giving us your word, your Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us every step of the way. Father, empower us. Set people free today. Let condemnation go in this place in Jesus' name. Let sin and guilt and shame be gone today in Jesus' name. And as people who have been walking in that brought it in with them today, that as they walk out these doors, they would know what it means to walk around in your freedom and your righteousness because of your grace and your Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hey, one more thing. With heads bowed and eyes closed, we said just a moment ago that one of the things that the Holy Spirit does When we choose to believe in Jesus, it happens because we respond to the fact that the Holy Spirit has shown us our need for a Savior. He convicts us of our sin. The Bible says that all of us have sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. None of us are perfect. But the Bible says that we could walk in God's righteousness through His grace because of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've never started that walk with God. Maybe you've got a little way down the road and you just gave up. I want to tell you today that God loves you so much that right in the midst of the sin that you were living in, the sin that I was living in, the sin that all of us were living in, while we were yet sinners, Jesus was sent to this earth to take our place on a cross, dying the death that we deserved so that we could be cleansed and forgiven. But then three days later, God raised him from the dead conquering death and hell and the grave so that you and I would know what it means to have life eternal with God forever. Today, if you don't know what it means to be forgiven, if you don't know what it means to be cleansed, if you don't know what it means to have the direction of God in your everyday life and finding his purpose and having hope and peace for all of eternity, it happens when we say yes to Jesus. We believe in our heart, we confess with our mouth. Many, many people in this room have prayed this prayer and done that before, but if you've never done that, I would love to lead you in a prayer today, repeating a few simple words after me. It's not the words that are significant. It's your confession and the belief that's in your heart that brings you into right standing with God through relationship with Jesus. If that's you today and you want to make a commitment, we're all going to pray a prayer prayer together. And I want to ask if everybody here today would repeat these words after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I thank you, God, that you raised Jesus from the dead so that I could have hope forever and ever. Today I choose you, Jesus, as my Savior, and I ask you to become the Lord of my life. Today, I want everything to change. So change me, so lead me, and guide me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.